Welcome to this week's pod. We've got a, we've got a spring in a step this week. First win of the season. First win of the pod. Get in, Tom. I know it's weird. It's weird being able to be happy. Yeah, well, I wouldn't, I wouldn't go that far, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's nice to be able to create an episode where we've uh, not had the weekend ruined by the football. No, uh, and it's so, amazing yeah, it's you forget situation. you it's forget what impact a Forest win has on your weekend. Um, it's amazing. It's an amazing feeling. It's uh, it's been a long time. Oh yeah, yeah, too long, too long. So hopefully, hopefully we can have a bit more of this um, rather than us just being miserable about it. <laughs> Bagging on for an hour and being miserable. <laughs> no, definitely. The, the celebration when that goal went in yesterday, me and uh, me and my two-year-old daughter literally bouncing around the front room. It was, uh, I think, huge, huge uh, outpouring of just relief, I think, especially when the full-time whistle went and we'd managed to, to get the three points. It was, um, yeah, it's been a long time coming, that, Tom. Huge, I think delighted with the wind like I say when the goal went in couldn't quite at first didn't think it actually hit the back of the net it took me a bit of time to to register but yeah just when that full-time whistle went the relief that we got three points yeah 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 I think and also obviously we'll get onto it but I think it wouldn't have mattered how that how that three points came along it was uh it was just the fact that we were able to get them and get a get a winning feeling back into the team and um, yeah, just uh, I think it was. I think you summed it up really well. I think it was just that huge feeling of relief, rather than rather than anything else really. And obviously, I think it's nice that it came it came with it being the new manager's first game in charge. Um, obviously, what you then hope is is that can turn into something a little bit more solid and at least a bit of a spell of of more uh, cheerfulness around the club. Yeah, definitely. I mean, he, he couldn't have asked for a better start, Keaton. He'd have been looking for that first game. Uh, three points. I mean, you put the stat out, Tom. It was a great stat. Do you want to remind everyone what the stat was? But you'd, you'd have looked a bit of a tip if it hadn't come in. <laughs> but um, do you want to remind everyone what the stat was? Yeah, it was that four of the last ten Forest managers had uh, before Hewton had uh, got off to a winning start in their Forest careers, and coincidentally, all four of those wins came against teams who began with B. So it was the stars were the stars were all aligned, and it was always going to be. But yeah, that was a great stat that you pulled out, and yeah, when you posted it. Yesterday morning, it, it had to happen, mate. Otherwise, yeah, you'd have looked a bit of an idiot. But um, it, fair play to you, fair play. And as I say, it's the start that Houghton would have asked for. Perfect way to cap off a positive first week in reality. Obviously, everything that we talked about it last week, um, that we thought his press conference was really um, positive and uplifting and a kind of a breath of fresh air the club needed at that time. I think, obviously, the first week would have gone, uh, I think, relatively well. He's got all of his staff now in place. So, obviously, uh, Trollope, Stephen Reid and uh, Colgan from Wigan have joined. So, he's created his backroom staff. Um, and, finally, the transfer window has closed, albeit not quite closed for us because there's always... We do like a bit of transfer drama. But, obviously, the window now is firmly shut uh, for what? How long we got? Eleven weeks till till January comes around, which is absolutely madness. But we we have shut uh, Knockart definitely in, signed on loan until January. Um, Grzycki, obviously, I mean, apparently twenty one seconds late. 
I think it looks like this is going to get done now. Um, there's been a couple of moments. Grzycki himself has posted a bit of a cryptic tweet tonight to suggest that um, everything is well. So, so all being well, Knockart and Grzycki in on deadline day, Tom. Um, what are your thoughts on that? I mean, two signings um, that, I mean, you've banged on about a winger for some time. So you've got two on deadline day. Yeah, I know. It's like Greedy. you wait for a you wait for a winger to come along for three years, and you get two at once. Uh, hopefully, anyway. Fingers I mean, Forest is just Forest is just that club that just don't want the transfer window to end, aren't they? So I feel like they've done this Grisicki thing on purpose, and then I'm sure in Jan that we'll uh, get at least another twenty signings <laughs> as well. But um, yeah, you know, I was um, obviously you can't you can't fault the club for getting two players that know this league. Inside and out, Grisicki and Knockart, they've had success, um, they're experienced um, and they're certainly, you know, obviously Knockart's gone through a bit of a bad bad bit of form um, and a bit of a bad spell at Fulham. But before that, and obviously his relationship with Hewton, he's been a fantastic player in this league. He's just not been able to, he's one of those typical championship players that gets into the Prem and just doesn't seem to be able to get over that line, but he's superb at this level. And then Grisicki, I don't think people should underestimate. I know he's 32, but I don't think people should underestimate the signing of Grisicki if it goes over the line. Obviously, by the time this podcast comes out, it could have been announced for all we know at this point. We're recording on the Sunday night. But, you know, I don't think people should underestimate that because when we were linked with him whilst he was at Hull before he went to West Brom, um, I thought it would be it would have been a terrific signing. I thought he was one of two players that pretty much held that whole team up. Uh, the other one being Bowen. So um, I think another great player, and he's got some pace about him as well. So we had something slightly different, maybe to Forest current wingers apart from Mighton in that respect. So um, yeah, I think two two clever, um, shrewd signings by the club, obviously. It's surprising because I'm not even going to lie myself. I was moaning about the amount and the quantity of signings Forest and Maine. And then I found myself on deadline day hoping that we got at least another two more. So, another thing to say. But, <laughs> it's um, madness, isn't it? Yeah. It's absolutely madness. I think, yeah, I think everyone has talked at, at length about how crazy this wind has been for Forest in terms of 13 players, 13 signings going into deadline day. But we all couldn't help refreshing Twitter every five minutes on deadline day to see what was happening. And as you say, classic Forest style. Obviously, the deal's announced, or, or the deal so far in knockout and announced post five o'clock. But I think both of these players, Grzycki is obviously someone who we've tried for on a couple of occasions and for whatever reason, turned us down twice previously. Um, obviously, to join West Brom in January being the latest move. You know, you just cash your mind back to January and if, if Grzycki had got across the line and Freeman, you just wonder how, how that season would have ended. But I think it's a fantastic signing. Hugely experienced. Scored a first-half hat-trick on international duty um, last week as well for Poland. So he will come in with a point to prove. Obviously, he's got a point to prove ahead of the Euros next summer as well. So he needs to be playing games. So I'm excited about Grzycki. And yeah, don't worry about his age. I know there's also been a thing about obviously Forrest going for experience this, this summer and obviously the, the, the average age of the squad's crept up, but don't worry about that with Grzycki. He's still got pace. He's still lively. Both games that we played Hull in last year, he was kind of a standout performer, as you say, alongside Bowen. Um, if that one gets across the line, I'm excited. Knockout, he's always one of those players that has always done well against Forrest and he's been falling our side on, on various occasions. And 
from the outside, he's one of those players that, as an opposition fan, you love to hate, um, and you would love him on your side. And, and I'm really excited, actually. Again, I, I text my Brighton mate on on uh, Friday once that deal had gone through, and he he said you've got a cracking player there who will absolutely tear the championship to bits. Obviously, for whatever reason, he didn't quite find that form um, last year in, in for Fulham. But you've got to think coming into coming into a club which is being managed by Chris Hewton. Chris Hewton's going to get the best out of him. And again, you think Knockhart's been around for years, um, still only 28. So, yeah, yeah, I was uh, surprised. I was, I was surprised there when I saw that he was, well, I don't know, it sounds like a weird thing to say. I mean, everyone, I mean, it's just life. People get older by the day. But uh, when, he, when I found out he was still 28, I mean, I know he's not, time hasn't stood still for him or anything. I was just a little bit, a little bit surprised. I thought he was yeah. older than that. But I think the funniest thing for the knockout sign is the comedy we're going to get on, on Twitter and from our own mates and stuff like that because people can't even spell us. <laughs> right. So are they going to get well, David, right? Hewton's it's, been, been really the class one as well. So Hewton uh, has, has been one. Houghton. Um, oh, yeah, no, I mean, Grzycki and Knockhart's going to cause some proper issues with some of our pals on uh, on WhatsApp. I can see it on a weekly basis. But both of those signings definitely add something. And I think if you now look at those wingers and you know the forward players to have to have Knockhart, Grzycki, Lolly, Amiobi, Might, and Freeman. I mean, you you know, for, for for all of the moaning and the criticism that the club have had for the, the sheer number of signings, if you just said at the end of last season, by the time the window shuts in mid-October, that is the level of talent to work alongside Grabber, Taylor and Guerrero up front, you'd have been delighted, Tom, wouldn't you? Well, there's not the one thing I was about to say was there's not one area of the squad where they've not improved. You know, so I'm with 15 signings. Well, yeah. <laughs> point. well, yeah, yeah, you know what I mean. Obviously, I know we've signed 15 players, so you know that it's kind of spread out and it's not only one place, but you know, there's not like one area where you go, oh, well, the club didn't sign this and now we're, we're weak here. And so it's good, you know, to have those options. I mean, like I said. I still still can't quite believe we came out and signed the amount of players we have this summer. But at the end of the day, they've given whoever was in charge, whether that had been Lamucci or a new man, and obviously now it is a new man in Houghton, um, they've not given them the, the wiggle room to moan too much or at all about the options that they have and the quality and depth that they have in what is a, already a mm. weird season. So to be fair to them, you know, obviously... Um, Again, the last couple of episodes of the podcast, we've we've given our criticism to the club, and like I said, I've even moaned about the amount of signings. But the one positive is is that it is one of the better teams on paper, and there is options there, and that will come into play. And I think that will become a lot more apparent um, as the season now starts mm-hmm. to go forward. Because I know we're going to touch on it, but given the fact we're playing Saturday midweek, Saturday midweek, or Friday midweek, whatever it is. Over the next few months, well, pretty much till the end of the season. Now it'll um, it'll be important. Definitely, as I say, the, the the squad is full of quantity, but the quality is just oozing through it. And actually, it's now up to to Chris Hutton and his coaching staff to try and get the best out of that, mould that squad, mould that team, and obviously manage the players because there are going to be a lot of disappointed players each week. And and how he rotates and manages that manages that squad is going to be key, but. Having listened and, and read, and again, Paul Taylor did a good article yesterday in the Athletic, and he talked, he'd, he'd, he'd spoken to a couple of ex-players that had played under Hughton, and he said one of his best things is that management of 
a big squad of talented uh, individuals and egos. And I think that's going to come into place. I think we've got the right right man for the job. We've got a quality squad and it should have enough depth in it to take us through this crazy schedule. But I'm just delighted, Tom, that we can put a line under it now and not talk about transfers for at least another couple of months until we get round to January. So, well, at least at least until Monday when Grisicki gets announced. And then, then but we won't then, be talking about yeah. it next Sunday. So that is that is it. So let's draw a line under that, Tom. Let let's draw a line under transfers. It's been good. Good, I'm done. Good week. Let's focus on Blackburn and the win, which I'm still, I can't stop smiling. So when Chris Hewton took the job, we said he would offer some continuity uh, in terms of the playing style and the setup and the formation. That was definitely the case with the formation for Saturday. Obviously set up with a 4-2-3-1 that we've used previously. So it was familiar with the squad. So in that instance, it wasn't a completely... Uh, you know, a, a clean sweep of kind of fresh broom to it all. It, there was a nice bit of con- continuity there, Tom, which would have helped the players. Yeah, you, you've already said it, but obviously we spoke about it previously. It was flagged um, in the last episode about the fact that, look, the one flag that I had with Hewton becoming uh, the next Forest manager was uh, the one thing I thought he might get criticism for straight away would be the fact that he sets up similar and he has a similar, not the same, similar certain parts of his approach to 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 the team and and the you know attacking the or or the way that he approaches the ninety minutes. Um, and I think we did see a little bit of that in that team sheet, the four two three one, which we kind of expected. Um, the team that he put out, um, we like you said there. He has he does kind of fit that squad, so it was never going to be a whole whole change uh, to the team. And he probably wanted to do that anyway. He probably didn't want to shake it up and and have a team that looked lost on that pitch anyway. But um, obviously, he did get a little bit. Well, I'm not sure if he specifically if the criticism was necessarily directed. And I know a lot of it was in jest. Um, but obviously, yeah, I think there was probably a little bit of surprise that the fact that people didn't see that immediate change that they maybe wanted. But that was. That was flagged and that was kind of what we expected. We'll come on to that because I feel like we definitely did see a change. And I think a lot of people post-match have obviously talked about that. But there's always plenty of interest when a manager picks his first team. Um, nothing controversial, though, Tom. I mean, again, in his team selection, it was all kind of very much, um, you know, I wouldn't say like for like. But, it, it, you know, we didn't pick that team sheet up and go, wow, actually, you know, he's got a, he's got a massive squad of players for him. He's, he's picked a couple of wild cards. Obviously, there's four changes. McKenna back in after injury. Figueredo coming in, uh, which is an interesting one. Yates and Lolly. And obviously, Ember So, Blackett, Arter and Myton dropping out for various reasons. Uh, Blackett and Arter. Well, Blackett injured, Arter carrying a knock, but fit enough to start on the bench. Um, it's just nothing controversial there, Tom. It was actually a well, you know, you looked at that team sheet and you thought, solid. And obviously, it, you know, a lot of, that, a lot of those players have played before and obviously I've played at least a game before this season so um, yeah a a good first team if you like yeah I mean there was only um, I suppose there weren't really any major surprises I think there was only a couple of things which uh, was stand out for me one of them people will probably be surprised that I've as a standout so the, the first one is Figueredo mm. because um, just the way he started the season and ended last season we spoke about him enough and I'm not I don't want to keep on throwing 
bricks at him, uh, mental mental bricks. But um, you know, he was a little bit of a surprise to me. I wouldn't have picked him, but you know, he actually ended up having a solid game, and we'll talk about that. And then also the second one, which people would be surprised that I pick as a surprise, but I just thought with some of the clips that we'd seen. Um, that he might be involved, at least on the bench, was I was actually slightly expecting to see Cafu. Um, but obviously, um, there was no Cafu. And obviously, the fact that he was with the squad um, throughout the international break, whereas others weren't, um, or others were slightly unfit, um, I thought he might have been um, involved, at least in, in some way. But he wasn't. So, um, yeah, there wasn't really anything too much of a shock um, and like you say um, he probably um, just wanted a bit of continuity yeah life. definitely I mean we'll go into the game itself so we, you talked there Tom about obviously the, the formation not necessarily changing and obviously we've, you know the, the, the line up was pretty much you know similar in guise as to what we've seen from Sabri and um, there was a clear it was clear from the off that the plan had changed though I mean there was plenty of pressing um, and I think the really pleasing thing for me was right from the off, and we've banked, we've moaned about it for weeks now, is that we want to see Forrest come out of the traps and show some show some intent. Now, I'm not saying we galloped out of the traps and were kind of firing on all cylinders, because I think, again, that's going to take a few weeks to come as the team and the squad bed themselves in. But I think for me, the really pleasing aspect of, of, of yesterday's performance was that whenever Forrest got the ball, instantly they were looking to move it forward and they were looking to move it forward and quickly at every opportunity. Sometimes that moving it forward quickly didn't quite pay off because some of the forward players weren't, they're not quite clicking yet. They've not quite learned each other's runs and ways of, of kind of moving and playing, but definitely the speed of the approach um, and wanting to get the ball forward and wanting to look for that forward pass. I mean, that was evident from, from the first few minutes, Tom. First note I wrote straight away was noticeable how quickly Forrest are trying to play the ball, and uh, which I do think was the big obvious thing right from the off. Um, and like you say, it didn't always necessarily work. But I, A, liked the fact that there was that intent, which I don't think there had been so far this season. And B, I think that's what Hughton will try and do to instill a bit of confidence. The more he gets the players, and he knows he's got quality players, the quicker they start having the intent and trying to approach it like that and getting balls forward and playing it forward and trying to get things going, uh, the more those things will click as, as they start playing together a bit more. So it was nice to see that. Um, obviously, um, in terms of other bits in the first half, the two of my other notes was not much <laughs> yeah. to report. Um, and I only wrote four notes and I've just told you three of them. And the only other thing was that Christy hit the bar. Uh, across. But, yeah, I think yeah. that's somebody all. I mean, the whole game, I mean, let's not be honest, this wasn't a game for the purest. Um, it, was, it, it was a struggle at times, but that, that would have been the game plan. And the game plan would have been to restrict Blackburn. So it, it paid off to a T. I mean, Blackburn were, you know, Colin Frey talks about it on commentary, but they scored 11 in four games, including a 4-0 away win at Derby and a 5-0 home win to, to Wickham. This time round, in contrast, Samba had literally nothing to do. I mean, we limited them to two shots. And to be honest with you, I can't really remember those shots. They were that tame. So, I mean, that in itself, Tom, probably speaks volumes for, yes, OK, Blackburn could have had an off day. Let's not all put it down to, to Forrest. But 
I think, in a way, a lot of it was down to Forrest and the way that Hewton had set the team up and the way that Forrest went there. And we, we, we saw it so many times last season that that's what Forrest would do. Forrest would go, and that's why we had such a deep, a good away record because we would go away from home, we would sit in, we would frustrate, and we would hit on the, the, the counter. We didn't, it's not the same game plan, and we didn't play that game plan. But the game plan, all the same, was still to, to frustrate Blackburn and from stop them from playing. And it worked to a tee, Tom. Yeah, I mean, I think it's down to a few things. I think, yeah, let's not discount that Blackburn, Blackburn might have been having an off day. Um, but also, second thing is, uh, Forrest have just appointed a new manager. So I think that played into the game as well a little bit. Um, I think it was always going to be a slightly cagey affair. Um, and one which I don't think either team would have wanted to have lost. Um, obviously, one did end up losing in the end. But um, and but then C also, um, yeah, I think that's probably what Hewton wanted. I think that's the way he probably will try and nullify teams away from home. Um, and he probably came into it knowing, right, I'm coming in. I've got a couple of weeks to work with this brand new squad. They've got to try and get some of my ways of playing and my thinking. Um, and this, I'm playing a team mm. that's in form, this scoring for fun within this this first bit of the season. So um, he probably just went there and went, right, let's nullify them. I know I've got quality players. So if we do just get a slice of luck or something, and then that means we can, we can come away with three points. And that's exactly what happened. I thought it was... Very interesting to see. And I think what will also be interesting, and um, I'm kind of getting ahead of myself here because I know we will come on to it and we're not talking about it yet, but I think it'll be interesting to see if there's a difference between how we mm. set up away from home and how we set mm. up uh, at home. Um, I'm not saying it's going to be like Billy Davis-esque where he used to play Robert Earnshaw at home and Delhi had a bowler away. Like, um, But I think you will see maybe some slight differences depending on who we're playing and whether we're... I know home and away is a slightly different thing at the moment, um, but I still think it'll be interesting to see how we... Yeah, Dan, how we I, I, think, I think the one thing that was really interesting was, was Chris Hewton's post-match interview yesterday. And he talked about, obviously, it being a, a whole team effort, um, which you would expect a manager to say, but in, in, in a sense of it wasn't just a job of the back four just sitting in and protecting the, the goal, if you like. It was a team effort from making sure that the, we, the, the, the back four probably didn't have to have its hardest day. Chris Hewton talked about um, the, the game plan to, to chase the ball, to put pressure on the ball instead of sitting in a defensive block. I think that was that was interesting to me because I think that that is probably, in a part, encapsulates a difference in approach between Sabri's style and potentially Chris Hewton's way of playing. Um, what do you reckon, Tom? I mean, that, that, that could be kind of an interesting difference in the way that, that, that kind of Sabri saw it as a, a sitting in a block and Chris Hewton kind of going and pressing a little bit higher up the pitch. And then actually he talked about keeping the ball and moving the ball and moving the ball forward quicker as the best way of keeping it away from your goal. There's definitely nuances in there of the two different ways of style, which we've kind of played out yesterday. Yeah, I think um, Hewton, the, the similarity between Hewton and Lamucci in terms of, we're just talking about yeah. Blackburn, right? So the, the similar, similarity that I saw there is um, both managers were happy to suck in and invite that pressure. Uh, but the difference then was that Lamucci would um, just expect to counter and um, 
you know, that would all come from the wide areas and uh, hitting teams on the break. Whereas Hewton is more, he does want Forrest to get forward quicker, but um, it comes more as a, I don't know, there's more flexibility within the team and the, the way that they're going forward is slightly different. And and I suppose it's the, the slight difference between inviting in that pressure is, is that um, it's done slightly in a different way. I felt like under Lamucci, um, it was more of a barrage at times, whereas this was a little bit cleverer um, because they were inviting pressure that never really felt like pressure, yeah. if that makes sense. It never really felt like it was ever going to come into anything um it was never going to turn into a goal so it was interesting i also would like to add that i feel like some of the more experienced players that forest have added into the team um helped within certain bits and that kind of quote that you just took from hewton about it being um you know the way that they approached it defensively and stuff but i also felt like um players and leaders like Arthur when he came on and specific individuals on that pitch um, helped with a bit of unity as well and a bit of team spirit which I thought looked, they just yeah. looked a bit different they looked a bit more um, I don't know just No more... definitely, uh, the point you made there Tom about Sabri kind of sitting in and then hitting teams on the break, obviously you know, you listen to a lot of different podcasts and you kind of listen to the analysts on Sky, they would always talk last season about uh, I'm hesitant to bring it up because I hate it, but XG and that Forrest just wouldn't create that. You know, we, we were near the bottom of the table for kind of chances created. And, and that was how it was so staggering that we were so high up in the league because, you know, you would only have to give Graben or any of the four players kind of one chance, two chances a game, and we would score goals. West Brom away last year was a prime example. And in reality, we only had one shot. We scored two because one was an own goal, but we only had one shot and we drew two, two. And that was the time and time again you would see that away from home, that Forrest would create very little chances, but we were really clinical and efficient in front of goal. Now, again, we've only had one game, and obviously we can't do And I wouldn't say that we massively peppered the Blackburn goal yesterday because, in reality, we only had four shots on target. We actually had 16 efforts, which I think is a very contrasting difference between what we were seeing previously and what we're, what we've seen under one game under Chris Hewton. And to be fair, you know, we, we had the Christie one, albeit the Christie one was a cross that, that hit the bar. We had Amiobi clipping the post just before we scored. Yates, he had a good header, five, six yards out. Figueredo uh, from a corner, obviously headed straight to the keeper where he would have he would have hoped to have obviously done better and has done better in those situations before. So there was definitely more about Forrest. I think Amiobi in the second half as well towards the end in the last 20 minutes, had a good shot, low shot saved by the keeper, went out for a corner. So there was plenty, there was more intent and, we, and there was definitely more about Forrest going forward and they grew into it. Actually, that last 20 minutes, you felt if one team was going to nick it through a bit of luck or whatever, it was going to be Forrest because they were growing stronger and stronger as the game went on. Yeah, I think like if you looked at um, the shot stats, I know obviously like you just said there, we only had four on target, but we did have 16 efforts compared to Blackburn's six. So if you were to look at the shots, I know obviously, I mean, people hate, some people hate looking at stats anyway. Uh, and some people uh, will say that you need to look at more than just that. But if you were to look at the shots, you'd think, oh, right, so Forrest dominated this match. And then you look at the possession and you see that Forrest had 39% of the possession and Blackburn had 61% of the possession. That is a major difference because you wouldn't have seen Forrest have, have that many chances 
um, under Sabri, whereas they they did and they were getting forward. Um, you know, you mentioned some specific bits there in terms of uh, Yates missing a header and sticking it over the crossbar. Uh, Lolly whipped in a ball on the 60th. No one got a touch. 63rd minute whipped in corner by Freeman, met by Figueredo. We headed it straight at the goalkeeper, and there was more after that. But what I think Forrest looked really different to me in this game was in central midfield because I was saying when we played uh, Huddersfield. Um, the where we came into issues were because Sabri was wanting the, the fullbacks to go forward, there was a huge gap in between the centre backs and the central midfielders, and there was nowhere, no one really taking the ball and and uh, getting about for Forrest in that central midfield. But there was a huge difference in this game, I thought. So the central midfield, Forrest dominated central midfield with Colback on. I thought he was fantastic until he had to come off. Oh, uh, get it. Decent one. Uh, I can't believe that. We'll come. I mean, I, <laughs> Yates here is superb. I mean, he's up there. Is um, I mean, it's fair to say you you have been in the, very much the the Yates uh, <laughs> camp of criticism, and obviously you're not alone. I thought it was really interesting that, and a good point that yet another manager has come in, and in his first team sheet, Yates has been on it, and yeah, I thought he was superb yesterday. He was everywhere. Um, but the central midfielder, mate, you've made a good point. I mean, Colback was a little bit... I thought, actually, in, in spells in that first half, he was a little bit slow to the ball in times, a little bit sluggish, gave away a couple of free kicks. But he was in there and he was breaking up. All right. Well, if you're going to come for, for Yates's heroics, then I'm <laughs> coming in for support of Colback. I thought he was fantastic. I thought he'd been terrible all season so far, but I actually thought he was superb. I thought he was picking Blackburn's players' pockets. He was moving about. I was going to say he was growing into it. Forward. And obviously he was annoying Corey Evans, which is why he clattered him twice. How he didn't get booked mm. for either of those challenges. But so no time. I, I was going to say he definitely grew into it, but I thought, yeah, yeah, yeah. He was... I mean, look, if you're <laughs> going to criticise my chief, I thought, yeah, he was, was superb, but... Um, yeah, I, the central midfield w- was good yesterday. And even when Colback went off, which, you know, would have been a worry um, if, if a similar talent last season had gone off in that position, would have been less short. But then the fact that you can bring Harry Arter on, and he was brilliant when he came on, actually, kind of a real driving force from midfield as well. Um, we, we, we're well stopped there. And then you bring Samba Sow on, obviously, to kind of shore up the game in the last couple of minutes of stoppage time. Um we're really well stocked in that position now, which is a, a you know a completely different story when we're relying on people like Semedo last year, season. So, yeah, I think the centre midfield was was, um, was class. The goal itself was a bit, of, you know, we got a bit of fortune in that. It was a wicked deflection, but my God, we, we've said it a few times in the last few weeks. We were due a bit of luck, Tom, um, and we really don't care how they're going. Um, if they'd gone in for one of our strikers, Arsenal going in the bottom corner, we wouldn't have, we wouldn't have minded, would we? But I think, given the whole match that we've talked about, and obviously the last kind of 15, 20 minutes as we were driving on, I think we were good value for that. Yes, the goal wasn't pretty, but I still think we were good value for that win yesterday. Yeah, and, and um, I was speaking to someone about it, and they were saying, Oh look, look! It's been an awful game. We just watched the Liverpool Everton game, and we saw the last ten minutes of frills and spills in that game. And then we obviously massively dropped in quality when we were watching the Forest Blackburn game. But um, 
like we said to each other that the the only way someone's going to win this game is if someone someone just needs to take a chance. Someone just needs to start driving forward, take a chance, take take a bit of a risk, and they'll they'll get the three points. They were there for the taking for for someone if they just took the game by the scruff of the neck. Forrest did. Forrest did start going forward. Forrest, I wrote loads of notes in the last 20 minutes. So Amiobi driving forward and he had a shot saved by Kaminsky. 76, Flau Taylor, who I thought was also superb when we came on. When he came on, obviously my fave, Flau Taylor. Um, picking Blackburn's pocket, driving from range. It was, I mean, the shot, it was never going to go in, but he took a chance and he got a corner from it. And then Lolly, Lolly even came out himself and said, look, I've scored enough fantastic goals to deserve a goal like that in my career. And he did. And he got that. He took that chance. He, he hit a shot. And that was different for Forrest for me. They were just taking a chance. They were going for it. They were taking, they were having chances that, yeah, might not have always looked like the most obvious thing to do. But if you don't shoot, you don't score. Lolly's and it was class as a fan. Obviously, when the goal went in, it was, again, we're, we're, we're breathing a huge sigh of relief. And how nice is it for Forrest to score a goal in injury time as well? Still wasn't confident. And then to see the whole team piling in celebration, which was led by Harry Arter calling the whole team in. You could just sit, and obviously Yates he smashing the ground in uh, pure delight as well. It was just, it was it was great to see as a fan actually. And you talked about the senior players a minute ago, Tom, but Harry Arter is definitely leading the charge there in terms of getting all the boys in and and obviously celebrating that goal. You can see that they've all been feeling the the strain a bit over obviously the last few weeks. Yeah, I've, I'm gonna shame shamelessly steal something, and I don't know who tweeted it, so. Um, apologies if they do listen to the pod and I'm kind of stealing something here but I remember someone tweeting about Arthur and doing that right at the end and getting the whole team together and I completely agree with what he said he said look there's there's two reasons that Arthur's done that it's either A he's trying to build team spirit or B he's just trying to waste some time and he said uh, either or I'm chuffed to bits that he's doing it. And I couldn't agree more. He's either being smart, he was either getting team spirit up, he was doing a bit of both. But I think it was really good to see um, either way. And I thought um, he made a massive difference when he came on. Um, and even that, even saying that, like I said, I've already praised the other central midfielders in Colback and Yates having a decent game. And um, Arta coming on, um, I thought he also, also did a fantastic job. And to be able to bring on with some of the quality of Arta, and uh, it not not make a difference to the game in a negative way. Um, I just thought it was superb, and I thought, yeah, like you said, doing that right at the end um, was really nice to see. And uh, it just felt like there was a huge bit of relief and a huge yeah. And it was it was clear to see it full time as well, where the, the clip that's obviously done the rounds with, with Yates and Lolly at full time, and uh, Yates giving Lolly a getting him in the headlock. I think in the end, just so so delighted. Obviously, really. <laughs> well, it's because he's so used to getting. I was delighted for Lolly to be fair as well because he was absolutely crushed after the Stoke game. He was the one player who, you know, those pictures of him with his head in his hands on the pitch and obviously just sat by the dugout, basically refusing to go in the the, the changing room after the match. He kind of really felt for for all that point, and he and he does care. I think that's the one thing you say about Joe Lolly. He genuinely does care. So I was delighted that he obviously he got that goal, and we were obviously able to get that over the line for three points. 
I think I think um, just to add to that as well, Chris, is that um, Lolly is obviously mentally been drained. He's visibly, mentally and physically been drained at the start of the season. He's had a two-week break, which I'm sure did him the world of good. And if there was one player that I would have wanted to have scored that jammy goal yesterday, it would have been Joe Lolly because when he's on his when he's on his game, um, he makes a huge difference to Forest, and that would have just felt like a huge bit of relief for him. And I'm sure um, he will be approaching the game slightly differently to how, to how he has been. When he has played, he looks like he's obviously just trying to force it a bit. And obviously, Lolly's at his best when he just comes naturally. He just plays his natural game. And you really hope now that, obviously, with that goal going in, that just the whole relief and just to just get out there and obviously play his natural game. You hope, obviously, moving forward that we see a bit more of that from, from Lolly. Because when he's in form, I mean, we don't even need to talk about it. I mean, the whole league knows that when, obviously, Joe Lolly's in form... He, he's a man that you're going to struggle to, to live with. And that's why I'm kind of so excited tonight because if you can get Lolly firing again, Amiobi, you know, didn't, he had a quiet game, but he still still forced a couple of saves and obviously hit the post. So again, I can sit there. One of the my notes was that Lolly and Amiobi were a little bit off the pace at times, but Lolly's popped up with the winner in the, in the 91st minute. Amiobi's smashed the post and obviously forced a couple of saves. So if that's how Winger's having a quiet off, off day, then fantastic. And obviously to be supported by Knockart and, and Grzycki coming in, it's an exciting period for, for kind of for that part of the pitch. But I mean, there were so many, there were so many standout performances. Obviously, I think Forrest tweeted, it's like, who's your choice for man of the match? Yates or Figueroa? And I was like, well, hang on a minute. There's probably another five or six candidates for, for man of the match. To say we, the back, the whole back four were, were really strong. I thought McKenna coming in. I mean, I've banged on about it loads. I think for me, he's still one of the, if not the signing of, of the, the summer window. I think he, he is fantastic. He looks solid. Great left peg. I think Figueredo has looked a different player next to him as well. Just the confidence. I mean, he made one error in the first half where he slipped on the ball, caught, <laughs> held onto it and then pretended he got a knock in the face and got a yellow for it. But fair enough. Um, he made one error. But other than that, fantastic. Christie was great. Christie was great at the back and moving forward. Great in the air, uh, Cyrus Christie. There was a couple of long diagonals that he had to deal with. I think he won everything in the air. And then Yanu at left-back, I mean, fantastic. Great left foot again, bombing forward, really strong. So, And Sam Brad knows what to do because he's protected by the whole team. But that whole back four, Tom, just if they can kind of get a run of games going, they can get clicking. Um, obviously, it sounds like Warren's going to be out for a couple of months, which is a bit of a blow, but you've still got... Embasso on the bench, and then Dawson didn't even make the squad. So I think the whole back four, we're just going to get them playing now, and it's going to be tricky because it's going to be a free game week from now on. But if we can get those guys a run of games and understanding, I thought they were fantastic as a back four. I can't believe um, how quiet people have been about McKenna and Ianu. I thought they were fantastic. I thought they were absolutely superb. And Christie had a good game as well. I'm not ignoring him. Um, but I just thought those two in particular were fantastic. Ian who getting forward and and getting back and yeah, some of his crosses were a little bit um, a bit scooped, if you like. But um, I thought he had a terrific game. I thought McKenna is just solid, just solid. Like he just uh, you just never think he'll make a mistake. I mean, one day I'm sure he will, but he just looks so assured. What I would say is is that obviously, you know, it's probably the the. I'm not saying people haven't given them praise because they they have given them praise, probably just not as much as the other people. But 
some of the other players, sorry, in like midfield and in an attack, because obviously, but it's probably a good thing really that we're not pinpointing defenders for mistakes like we were towards the end of last season, the start of this season. They just looked assured, solid, and that's all we want. That's all we want. I'm not expecting um, for one of the centre backs to be fantastic defensively and then all of a sudden turn into Ronaldinho and dribble it upfield and knock it in the top corner. I want just the safe, solid, assured defence and that's what they looked like and they allowed the central midfielders to get get a bit more forward and control the game a little bit more in midfield which was fantastic to see and allow those attacking players to have the freedom that's all you want yeah definitely look we've talked about a central midfield I don't think we need to touch on that again but I thought Freeman again looked good and you can see he visibly gets frustrated at times and he's he's not as I say he's on a different wavelength at the time Uh, probably a little bit ahead um, of, of some of the guys and obviously some of the runs some of the balls that either played into him or he plays they're not quite clicking you can see he gets frustrated but what I liked about him is that he never gives up works for the team he was closing down he was tracking he was pressing um, again I thought he, he had a really really strong performance and then you know Taylor coming off um, coming off the bench to replace Graben. I mean I feel for me Graben just needs a goal I thought his overall play was was good. Again, he does a lot for the team. He's a man, as much as Lolly, he's a man that needs a goal. But I thought Taylor coming off the bench, he looked different to me in terms of how he'd been playing previously, other than actually the Cardiff game. It's probably a similarity to the Cardiff game. But he he was flying when he came on. And I think both him and Arta... You've got to presume that Colback might be a doubt for Tuesday night, given the fact he, he picked that knock. I think Taylor and Arter have got to be pushing for a starting berth on um, on on Tuesday night, you would think. Yeah, I mean, start off on your Freeman um, point. I think what is difficult with that number 10 position is when you're playing for, and just this isn't just Freeman, this is other number 10s, Forrest have had when we played Silver in there and when we played Carvalho in there. When you're playing for managers that maybe have the approach that we've had uh, with those players, it is difficult because you're always expected to work double as hard as they might be in a more uh, attacking setup. So it is hard. And also he's brand new to the team. I feel like that number 10 role, you need a bit more time to kind of learn the players around you and learn what their movements are. Carvalho and Graben didn't click straight away. It took time. And when it did, it looked good. Um, and that'll be the same for Freeman. But yeah, like you said about Lau Taylor and Arta, I thought they looked superb when they came on. I'd start them both against Rotherham. I mean, I'd need, need to... I don't need to give uh, any more praise about La Taylor, um, but I just thought he just ran. He just ran at the Birmingham defence, at Birmingham Blackburn defence. Uh, it wasn't the Birmingham defence, the Blackburn defence when he came on. Um, and I just thought he looked lively. He was causing problems. Um, he was just being a nuisance. And that's we've said that before, he causes a nuisance. Um, and that's all I wanted to see. And I thought he did a great job when he came on. And I thought I think that Rotherham game could be a really good one to maybe get off the mark for him. Um, and then Artie, yeah, like we said, we've praised him already, but he controlled things. He, he showed his experience. He showed um, how streetwise he is. Um, and I just thought, yeah, I'd start, I'd start them both against Rotherham. I thought they were fantastic, great subs to have for Forrest. And we've not said that Forrest have had game-changing subs uh, for a long time now, I don't think. We sold it, because obviously my next point was going to be that I thought Chris Hewton's game management was spot on yesterday in terms of he, he made the right subs at the right time. And I think there would have been a, 
I was probably looking. I mean, I've talked about it in terms of Ami Obi and Lolly, and you had Martin on the bench, and you've seen managers before. And I was thinking, actually, with ten minutes to go, and you're pressing for a winner, do you take Lolly off, bring Martin on? And obviously, um, I'd have been wrong probably because he kept on. He showed faith, so I thought. Was he taking grabbing off what he did? I thought Taylor and Arter coming on. Obviously, Arter was a, a forced substitution, but still bringing Arter on and bringing Taylor when he came on that really changed the emphasis of the game. And then also, it's just nice. Obviously, Lolly scored the goal to bring Sam Basau on at that time and just shore it up. Um, we, I had another centre midfielder. I thought his overall game management with the with both Chris Hewton and the senior players that we've talked about in terms of Arter, whether that was a kind of a bringing the team in or kind of a bit of wasting time but it's good to have that experience both on the in the in the stands in terms of the manager and the players on the pitch so I thought overall Chrissy Hewton and his coaching staff and the players got that side of the game right which we haven't really seen I mean we used to talk we used to bang on about it loads when Billy was here in terms of how he would always get the players to go walk to the other side of the pitch towards the, the Brian Clough stand and then uh, the border go up and then they'd walk off to the other end. And, you, you know, you, we haven't seen that sort of game management, if you like, for quite some time. So, uh, not that I'm a huge fan of it. And Forrest didn't play that type of card yesterday. But you can see the point I'm getting at in terms of, um, you know, a little bit of know-how, a little bit of streetwise in there. Wouldn't go and miss this year. It, it helps him that he's got the squad that he's got to be able to make those decisions. But obviously, he knows in terms of you saying, oh, you might have taken Lolly off. He knows that Lolly can can make a difference, um, even if he's not had the best game. He can he can kind of get something out of nowhere, and he did that. He did that, and Hewton knows that. Um, you know, Hewton Hewton's uh, managed a few teams now. He he knows he knows how to get success in this in this league, and um, I just think yeah, in terms of the subs that he made, obviously being able to make a positive difference in the way that they did. Yeah, like you said, Arta was forced, but the fact he was able to do that and uh, we saw Forrest get stronger and stronger. And I think, like we've said before, maybe they did sit back a little bit at first, but they knew that they could pick Blackburn off towards the end of the match. And I think that his, his tactics probably went perfectly. I think he, he'd be chuffed to bits how it went. Uh, and his, his substitutions helped him with that. And uh, I think it was a great first game for and Yeah, it might not be a memorable one in terms of the whole 90-minute performance, but in terms of just how it was managed um, and getting that first win, Forrest's first win of the season, but his his first win as, as Forrest manager in his first game, uh, he'll know that's a big one because he's now got uh, six games in quick succession. I mean, on that, huge week ahead um, for variety. We, we, with a big game on Friday night, obviously. We'll talk about that in a minute. But just, as we've already talked about, the schedule starts to ramp up from here. We've got two home games coming up in the next week and a big chance to, to, to kind of build on this win. And actually, now we've got that win against Blackburn. You'll be looking at both of these fixtures. And I'm sure both Chrissy Hewton and the squad all there will fancy that. Obviously, first up, Rotherham at home on Tuesday. They've had a difficult start to the season um, and they've only had one win coming on opening day. Um, managers self-isolating as well, so that's going to make it more difficult for them. Actually, they were really unlucky yesterday, Tom. I don't know if you've caught any of the highlights, but obviously when when one nil up against Norwich at home, gave an own goal away and then I think Hugel got one in the 93rd, 94th minute, but by all by all accounts, Rotherham actually played quite well and probably didn't deserve to to lose that. So I think a few people might be looking at this match and looking at Rotherham where they are in the league, obviously still slightly above us, but they'll probably be looking at this thinking home banker written all over it. But 
this is the championship and it's not that easy. No, it's amazing what a new manager, two-week international yeah. break, two signings and one win can do into everyone's, everyone's buzzing, everyone's confident. Uh, yeah, you know, obviously going to school in Rotherham, um, I know a few people around there and I think they feel slightly aggrieved and they feel like they've been really unlucky so far this season. They've been dominating games apparently, but they're simply being being undone by moments of quality against teams that just have far more proving quality at this level. So it might not be the simple, straightforward game that some fans are expecting. Um, I certainly think Rotherham will bring something to Forest, and they'll know that, yeah, Forest might have got one win uh, with their new manager, but they'll certainly know that this is still a team that is gelling and still still uh, there's weaknesses that they can pick off as a result of that. Um, but as you say, if we can carry on this confidence and on paper, football's not played on paper, as we all know, but uh, on paper, yeah, we, we obviously should be aiming and wanting three points from this one. So the tendency shape up as a 4-4-1-1 away from home, the big challenge, therefore, you feel kind of the way that Rotherham will probably set up on Tuesday night will be Forrest Achilles Hill in terms of the home record last season. It'll be breaking them down. And you feel if Forrest can get that first goal early on, then you would hope, again, the confidence will continue to grow and Forrest will therefore go on and win. The longer that Rotherham can, can obviously keep Forrest at bay uh, and even nick a goal or just keep it at nil-nil, you kind of see the frustrations growing. And we saw it last year with Charlton at home where obviously they kind of hit us on the break and managed to get a 1-0. A, a you just got to be a bit careful when teams set up. And, I'm, and and you would expect Rotherham to try to sit in and try and frustrate. Slightly different different entity this, this season with Forest at home because obviously the crowd aren't in. And we all know what the city ground The city ground is a fantastic place. But at times where teams can come and frustrate, we do get we do get quite easily frustrated as well as fans. So that you take that out of the equation, it's not as much of a factor. But you can still see actually Forest will be wanting to build on the weekend's win. And if Rotherham can kind of sit in and frustrate, you can kind of see that being a bit of an issue. But yeah, if Forrest can, can can get an early goal or certainly kind of an early a goal in the first 20, 25 minutes, you would hope that, that Forrest would go in and get the three points on Tuesday night. So what are you saying, Tom? Um, I think it's going to be another battle in midfield. Um, and if the midfield can have a game that they did uh, on Saturday, um, I think that'll only be a good, good omen for Forest. So I'm predicting two-one. I'm just going Forest win. Yeah, I think <laughs> it's a really good, good chance. There's no easy games in this league, and we're by no way, by no means, should we underestimate Rotherham. But off the back of a win against Blackburn, it's probably quite a nice fixture for for Chris Hewitt to kind of build on. So let's see. But obviously, yeah, I'm going to go for a Forest win. And then after Rotherham, I mean, this one doesn't need any building up. In itself, we've got Derby at home on Friday night, so games coming thick and fast. Home Tuesday, home on Friday, East Midlands Derby on a Friday night under the lights of the city ground. It doesn't get any better than that. It's going to be tough on watching this one from home. I'm absolutely devastated. It's just another game, isn't it? I'm kidding, Joe. Um, yeah, no, it's going to be horrible. It'd be uh, lovely to, to be there on a Friday night. Well, we've had a few, grand. so I've written down love, here, Tom. So when I think of, match, of, I night, think, uh, of games against them lot under the lights at the City Ground, I think back to the 3-0 under Paul Art that time. I think back, obviously, I think everyone thinks about the 5-2 over Christmas. Um, even the 1-0 under Dougie, the Oliveira goal. Um, 
we've had some fantastic kind of nights against Derby at the City yeah. Ground. Um, I'm praying that this is another one. It won't be the same, though, as I say. Um, I mean, there's no better game, is there? As a season ticket holder, you look forward to. I, I actually do look forward to the home games. Obviously, we've been to quite a few uh, Forest Derby games at, um, at Pride Park. And, you know, they're a good away day and they're a good day out, but never particularly enjoying. But Forest Derby at home... Um, yeah, it, it would have been a cracker if we were allowed in. And I think this is this is where it's really, you know, I think we, we talked about it last week and the week before in terms of fans not being allowed in, into the grounds. And obviously we get it, you know, the way the way things are going at the minute. But, you know, we all feel it. We feel it every Saturday anyway when we have to sit and watch the game on iFollow. It's not the same. But I think this is the one where it will really kick in. Um, that, it's, you know, it would be a real shame because Friday night, it would be superb down there. Well, yeah, I mean, Forrest are uh, unbeaten in their last six versus Derby. Um, five of those having clean sheets. Obviously, one of those didn't have a clean sheet. Um, and we'll not speak too much about that one in the way that that ended uh, this summer. But um, look, you know, it's uh, it's a biggie. It's a biggie. And obviously, we will um, we'll miss not being... But obviously, people saying, let's get Tuesday out of the way, then we've got Friday. I think that's one thing Forrest need to make sure they don't slip up and do on Tuesday. And that is... Uh, yeah, it's a good point. We've got a game on Tuesday and focus on Friday, which I'm sure Chrissy isn't isn't going to do that. I'm, I know how professionally sets up his teams, and I'm sure he'll be making sure that's not the case. It's important not to forget that Forest need three points on Tuesday. Um, I, you know, I think back to you know I'm going to say here, the, the Leeds, Charlton, West Brom last year. It's almost that in the fact that we got to Charlton on that Tuesday and it was almost like, oh, we'll bang any old side out because we'll get this one through and then we'll focus on West Brom because obviously at that moment, they we were chasing those two. So I think that's a really good point that you pick up. It's just that it can't just be seen as Rotherham at home Tuesday. That's a banker. We'll roll them over, then we'll focus on Derby. It's a really good point. Yeah, I think that's the good thing about having the depth that we've got is that Actually, I'm seeing a few people on Twitter already saying, yeah, we'll make a few changes. We've got to make a few changes. And I get that because then we've got another game in midweek after and another game on the Saturday after that. Uh, so I completely get the the mentality. It's not a, it's not a, oh, Rotherham is just going to roll over kind of thing. But I think we do just need to be wary. But luckily, that's where the squad depth comes in. Um, that's where Forrest having the quality that they do. Obviously, we saw the subs coming on against Blackburn and saying how, how good the subs were. That's a good thing that we can now actually start them um, if we wanted to. So it'll be interesting to see what he sets up. But yeah, for this Derby game, it's going to be a really interesting one. It's going to be even more interesting given the fact that there might be some potential complications around Rooney and uh, his recent contact with a friend who tested positive for COVID before the game. I mean, they're lining it up, Tom, aren't they? Lining up the excuses um, so already. Interesting to see what comes of that. God, it's it's going to be a cagey fair as it always is, obviously. But given the starts that these two teams have had, um, it'll be interesting to see how Koku sets up his derby team. Um, if he loses another game in midweek, um, then that's only going to make... Well, obviously, we know that the history that Forest Derby games have of managers getting... You've absolutely stole my notes here, Tom. Uh, I was just going to say, Derby have had a similar start. I mean, Koku's already under pressure. Obviously, stories circulating last week that obviously... Uh, knocks, knocked back by Mad Mel on Friday night saying that um, Rooney wasn't going to replace Cockney. But you would think if, if if two defeats this week followed up the Watford defeat on Friday that he would be struggling. Um, 
they they started the last two in a four five uh, sorry in a five five four one which is unusual um with Rooney up top and you just talked about obviously Rooney potentially not even making it on um on Friday if he has to self isolate so it'll be interesting to see how they shape up obviously they've lost Marriott in the window um and replaced him with Colleen Kazim Richards um well exactly you know he's still playing so um, yeah, it'll pass. be interesting to see how they tell. There's a lot of question marks around that. But, um, yeah, you would hope that Hewton would have us up, up for this one, well prepped. Um, and you know, and I know form goes out the window and pr- probably, thank God, I think, for, for both sides. But um, if Boris can keep their impressive run versus Derby going, and obviously, hopefully, they can get a win on Tuesday night to go into this one, um, you would have to, again... You know, not want to get too ahead of ourselves after one win and the curse of the curse of the fan of just getting too giddy. But you know, as you talked about a minute ago, this is where the squad really comes into its own, and we've got a little bit more strength in depth than we had last year in that Charles that infamous Charlton game. You would think, you know, even on Tuesday night, I don't think he'll make too many wholesale wholesale changes for Rotherham. You might see two or three tweaks to that team, and then two or three again on on Friday night, it'll be those type of uh, changes you would expect to see as opposed to the whole five, six, seven. Um, but definitely probably where we are, where we, we are in our strongest is that squad depth that we talked about at the start of the pod. So if we can get that right, if we can make, I mean, obviously this is where he'll earn his money because if he can make the right changes and the right calls, um, you would think over the coming weeks that Forest would be in a good place. So, um, what are you going for, Tom, for this one? I don't really like predicting Forest Derby games, but I'm going to put you on the spot. Ah, sorry, I'm going to do it. Good, I um, like that. I've predicted two Different from your 2-1 at least, anyway. There'll be a lot of players in for getting that dressing that will remember what happened in the summer. Uh, and I'm hoping they use that as a bit of motivation to go out there and settle the score. So, yeah, I'm going again for a Forest win, which would be an exceptional first three matches for Chrissy Hewitt if he can get off with... Uh, if we can get off with another couple of wins this week. So, fingers crossed, because that would be a, a superb first couple of games for... Um, Shall we wrap it up there? Because I think that's a good time <laughs> to end it. But, oh, my God, I hope we're I hope we're talking about three wins in a row next Sunday night. Fingers crossed, everyone, that we are. So, um, look, if you want to email us, um, you can contact us at timeaddedonpod at outlook.com. Or you can follow us on Twitter. Uh, by following at time added on pod. See you next week, guys. You reds. See you next week. You reds.